question is, what do holiness and love have to do with each other, and how does sound doctrine actually play into both of them? And that's something we're going to get into. But before we get into that, I need to share some things with you. First off, I'm a very astute person. I'm very, uh, very observational-driven. I observe people. One of the things that I have observed... One of the things I have observed about people that I've noticed specifically about Christians is we seem to have a problem with sound doctrine. The problem we have with sound doctrine is we don't really have an appetite for it. I'll let that sink in. See, because the thing is, we'll, we'll never really be able to accept what sound doctrine is if we don't develop an appetite for it, if we don't hunger for it. Uh, we're, we're busy building relationships with the things of the world. And if we don't, in that same time frame, have a desire to look into God's Word and a hunger for God's Word, a hunger to study it and to apply it to our lives, we will never develop an appetite for sound doctrine. We will never really grasp how it is for holiness and love, how sound doctrine is for holiness and love. I want to start out this morning. I want you to look at James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It's talking about friendship with the world. I'm using the contemporary English version uh, of Scripture. Verse 1 says, Why do you fight and argue with each other? Isn't it because you are full of selfish desires that fight to control your body? You want something you don't have, and you will do anything to get it. You will even kill. But you still cannot get what you want, and you, do, you won't get it by fighting and arguing. You should pray for it. Listen, even if we aren't doing these things physically... We aren't, we aren't really killing each other for something. Okay, I get it. But we are still full of those selfish desires that fight to take control of our body. And we do, to a certain extent, we do this mentally. And we do this spiritually. Our passions are at war within us. We desire, and yet we do not have. So, so we murder. We covet what we can't obtain. So we fight and we quarrel with one another. In short, we do not have because we do not ask. And that develops relational conflict. And, and that's something that's more serious than we think it is. We stay mad at each other far too long. Relational conflict is also simpler than we think. Uh, we allow ourselves to fall right into it. And relational conflict is worse than we think. Why, why does that matter for today's topic? Because when we're, when we're wrapped up in all those things, we're not able to be holy. When we're wrapped up in those, those little conflicts, those little quarrels, those little things, we're not hungering for sound doctrine. We're not hungering for the word, and we allow those things to consume us, and we're not able to be holy. In short, our cravings cause conflicts, and our conflicts happen when our sinful desires lead us to use other people to get what we want rather than to serve them in love. See, that's why we need to strive for sound doctrine because some of the fruits of sound doctrine are holiness and love. It doesn't mean that we're perfect because of sound doctrine. It means that we are setting a goal to be holy because God is holy. It means that we are truly striving to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. It means that wives are submitting to their husbands. It means that husbands are loving our wives as Christ loves the church. And we're going to bring all that together with holiness and love here in just a moment. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that we can be here, that we can open up your word, that we can look at, at sound doctrine. We can see how sound doctrine is for holiness in our lives and for love and how we should, how, how we should be and how we should serve. Father God, I thank you 
for those things. I thank you for the examples that we're about to look into. And I pray that we will be able to um, wrap our minds around them, wrap our hearts around them. We'll be able to, to walk out of here and live these things for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So why do conflicts happen? Ultimately, conflict arises from wicked desire. Conflict arises from selfishness. We like to say, well, our, our personalities just, just clash. We're just incompatible, so we can't get along. And I disagree with that. Sometimes we'll say, well, it's just an unfortunate circumstance that causes us to, to have conflict. And I don't think that's true either. But we have conflict because, because those things happen. But I think it comes from selfishness. So what do we do? What's the solution for these things? It's repentance and faith. In order to grow in holiness, it's crucial that we understand the biblical doctrine of sin and that we view your life, our life, through that lens. Because the reality is, if we don't know what our problem is, then you, you don't know and you can't accept that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't know what it is that's keeping you from God, you're never going to understand the sound doctrine and how it can apply to holiness in our lives. You won't know what to do about it. You won't grasp the urgency that we have to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sin. In short, sound doctrine embraced by the mind and applied to the heart is what conforms us to the character and the will of God. That's where the holiness comes in. Sound doctrine drives us to devote ourselves more completely to God. In our thoughts, our desires... And in our attitudes, in our words and our actions, this is what the Bible calls holiness. Sound doctrine is, is a central means by which Christians grow in holiness. And holiness is the goal of sound doctrine. It's one of the goals. So how do we use sound doctrine to grow in holiness? We're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and, and I want you to write these down. I want you to go back. I hope you look at these again this week. Let's start off with 2 Timothy. It's a really good example of how we can use sound doctrine to grow in holiness. I'm going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Here we go, starting in verse 16. Everything in the Scriptures is God's Word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. The Scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. All Scripture is useful for teaching, helping people, correcting them, and showing them how to live. I like verse 17. The Scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. That's what I need. That's what you need. That's what we all need. As Christians, we've been given new spirit-indwelt natures, if you will. But sin still lives in us. Romans 7, 7 through 25. That, write that down. Romans 7, 7 through 25. I'm not going to go through that right now, but it's, it's a good study about the battle that we have with sin. I really encourage you to read that this week and to, and to study that. It's an eye-opener of how sin still lives in, a, in us, how it still binds us to ourselves, how sin entices us to do wrong and it corrupts our desires. Sin still tempts us to worship ourselves rather than God. And we need the high beams of sound doctrine to light our road so that we don't run off into a ditch. We need to reevaluate our worldview so that we are seeing the world through God's eyes. By developing a biblical worldview, we will be able to notice the sin that clings to our minds and our hearts. And we'll begin to get rid of these things. Some of the things that are keeping us from experiencing God. In John chapter 17, verses 13 through 19, Jesus himself teaches us that sound doctrine is for holiness. 
He prays for his disciples in view of his coming death and his resurrection. And here's what he says. I am on my way to you. He's talking to the Father. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that my followers will have the same complete joy that I do. I have told them your message, but the people of this world will hate them because they don't belong to this world just as I don't. Father, I don't ask you to take my followers out of this world, but keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world and neither do I. Your word is in the truth. So let this truth make them completely yours. I am sending them into the world just as you sent me. I have given myself completely for their sake so that they may belong completely to the truth. Verse 17, Jesus asked God, let this truth make them completely yours. Some versions of the Bible say sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And to sanctify is to separate from sin and to totally devote that person to God's purpose. You see, Jesus lived a perfectly obedient life and he suffered on the cross as our substitute with the goal that we would be sanctified in truth made by God's word. Excuse me, made holy by God's word. He totally devoted himself to God and to God's will in order that we would be totally devoted to God and his will. And the instrument that God uses to bring about that total devotion is his word. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, that sound doctrine is what teaches us to live rightly. So how does sound doctrine and holiness, love and love all work together? Paul makes a point in the passage that I just referenced that ungodly actions are contrary, are contrary to sound doctrine. Paul sees godly living as a direct implication, maybe even a demand of sound doctrine. I hope that you'll read these passages again this week and, and see for yourself. Because if we claim to believe sound doctrine, but we don't love God and we don't love our neighbor, then something is wrong. Most likely, there's a disconnect between the head and our heart. Sadly, it's all too common for us to allow our knowledge of God to simply dwell in our heads rather than drilling it into our hearts, our emotions, our desires, our affections and hopes and longings and fears. I think a lot of times we forget what sound doctrine is for. We need to plant the seed of sound doctrine deep in our hearts so that the fruit of conformity to Christ will grow deep in our lives and in our churches for God's glory. Sound doctrine is not about putting ourselves up there. It's about being able to glorify God in the things that we do. And when we apply what I've just shared with you about holiness to our lives, you will see that as we conform more closely to Christ in our life, you'll see how sound doctrine becomes something for love. All kinds of love. Sound doctrine leads us to love God, first off. Because the better we know Him, the more that we're in His Word, the more that we, we're praying, the more we're communicating to Him, the more we will love Him. To know God better is to dive more deeply into His love. Ephesians three seventeen through 19 explains that when we do that, our response will be to love God. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, but I think we can all learn from this example. It says, and that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. Stand firm and be deeply rooted in his love. I pray that you and all of God's people will understand what is called wide or long or high or deep. I want you to know all about Christ's love. Although it is too wonderful to be measured, then your lives will be filled with all that God is. I want my life to be filled with all that God is. And you know, when we start loving God through his word, we will love our neighbors. 
because every human is made in the image of God. Every human is worthy of our love. James 3, 9 says, actually 9 and 10 says, My dear friends, with our tongues we speak both praise and curses. We praise our Lord and Father, and we curse people who were created to be like God, and this isn't right. You see, sound doctrine teaches us to not only love God, but to love others as well. All others. Scripture shows us that we should show special love to those who are in need of help and protection. That's what God does. He takes care of the fatherless and he takes care of widows and he takes care of those without a cup of water. Sound doctrine teaches us to love not only God and to love not only our neighbors, but to love our enemies as well. Whoa. Hold on a second. I'm good with loving God. And I'm good with loving my neighbors, even the weird guy across the street that talks to his plants. But I don't know about this loving my enemies thing. I don't know about you, but there's a reason I consider them my enemies. They have wronged me. They've hurt me. They've allowed me to suffer through something on my own where they could have come to my aid, but they didn't. They've caused me physical or emotional pain. They broke me. They broke my heart. That's why they're my enemy. And now you want to say that sound doctrine says I should love them? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I want you to think about this and write this down. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. This is Jesus talking. And you have heard people say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you. Then you will be acting like your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the good and bad people. <clears throat> and he sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. If you love only those people who love you, will God reward you for that? Even tax collectors love their friends. If you greet only your friends, what's so great about that? Don't even unbelievers do that? Verse 48. But you must always act like your father in heaven. Man. You see that right there? That's the verse that brings this whole message together. Sound doctrine is for holiness and love because of verse 8, verse 48. If we're applying the first part of this message to our lives, we will seek out to be more like God and less like the world. And in being more like God, we will love our neighbors regardless of who they are or what they have done to us because we must act like our Father in heaven. I got to thinking about that. I'm really glad this scripture doesn't say that our Father in heaven will act like us. Or that he will love us based on how we love others. Because <laughs> the reality is we don't always love our neighbors. Sometimes we don't even love our spouses like we should. Man, if only scripture, if only sound doctrine could teach us how to love our spouses. If there was something in Scripture that would tell us how we could treat our spouses, that would be really great. Oh, wait, right here. Ephesians chapter 5, what do you know? Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands as you do the Lord. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for it. You know, when I share this Scripture with couples during premarital counseling, it's always a good day. Because the women, they always say something about submit. Because it's always, wives, submit to your husbands. Well, I don't know about all that. I'll love him, but submit? I've realized, 
I told you I'm very observant. The, <laughs> the problem that we have in our world, and even in our, in our Christian circles, the problem is we mistranslate the word submit. We read that word in Ephesians, and the word submit comes out to be the word doormat. That's what we think submission is. Submission is not that your husband just walks all over you. That's not submission. But that's another sermon. But likewise, men, men don't always get the meaning of loving our wives as Christ loved the church. Because Christ loves the church. He loves us more than anything. He loves his church enough that he died for it. His friends tried to talk him out of it. Do you know that? They were like, don't go to Jerusalem. It's not safe. He knew that already. And he still went. On the night he was arrested, they fought for him. One of them even took up arms to protect him. Cut off an ear. He's like, no, this has to be done. He gave his life for the church. He gave his life for us. That's love, men. That's love. How much do you love your wife? Do you love her more than your job? Do you love her more than your car? Do you love her more than your hobby? Do you love her more than the internet? Do you love her more than a few beers with your buddies every Monday night during football season? Something to think about. (laughs) Sound doctrine teaches us to love God, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, and to love our spouses. And sadly, I know of Christians who give more love and more grace to their neighbors and their enemies than they do for their own spouses. The good news is that sound doctrine gives us a pattern to follow when it comes to love. And if we're following holiness, that pattern is easy to obtain for love. We're to walk in love as Christ has loved us. Husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Just as Christ did. He didn't just merely love us in word or or in talk. He loved us indeed. He loved us in truth so that we must also love one another in tangible, costly ways. Love is dangerous. And sound doctrine is for love because it keeps us on an even keel. Sound doctrine is for holiness and love, for every kind of love. 1 John 3.16 focuses in on these things. And I'm actually going to read verses 11 through 24, but, but mark down that, that uh, 16 through 18. I want to put the whole thing in context for you. From the beginning, you were told that we must love each other. Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the devil and murdered his own brother. Why did he murder him? He did it because his brother was good and he was evil. My friends, don't be surprised that the people of this world hate you. Our love for each other proves that we have gone from death to life. But if you don't love each other, you are still under the power of death. If you hate each other, you are murderers. And we know that murderers do not have eternal life. Verse 16, we know what love is because Jesus gave his life for us. That's why we must give our lives for each other. If we have all we need and see one of our own people in need, we must have pity on that person or else we cannot say that we love God. Children, You show love for others by truly helping them and not merely by talking about it. You see, when we love others, we know that we belong to the truth and we feel at ease in the presence of God. That's the holiness working into that too. But even if we don't feel at ease, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Verse 21, dear friends, if we feel at ease in the presence of God, we will have the courage 
to come near him. He will give us whatever we ask because we obey him and we do and do what pleases him. God wants us to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and to love each other. This is also what Jesus has taught us to do. If we obey God's commandments, we will stay one in our hearts with him and he will stay one with us. The spirit that he has given us is proof that we are one with him. So what difference should all of this make in our lives? That's the neat thing about sound doctrine. It it provides and it presents a solution for lovelessness. If your love for God has been growing cold, my prayer is that a good dose of sound doctrine will turn up the heat. Maybe on your path to holiness, you became more legalistic than compassionate. Maybe you struggle with sound doctrine because you struggle with loving people, all people. We all know those people in our lives where we say, well, God says we have to love them. He doesn't say we have to like them. No, love is different. Maybe you can't quite grasp that sound doctrine is for holiness and love because no one has ever really shown you what that looks like. I hope today that you at least caught a glimpse of what that looks like. And I pray as we come to our response time that that glimpse was enough to encourage you to respond and begin walking down the path of understanding sound doctrine and applying it to your life. In just a moment, we're going to have a communion thought and and meditation and a time of response. And as you respond to the communion meditation, as you respond, if God's word has begun to convict you of a time for change in your life, please respond to that conviction as well. Maybe for you, the path to holiness and love begins with baptism. Maybe it begins with a time of prayer and and repentance and rededication. And if, if so, the elders are here. We have a room set aside so that you can go and pray with them privately if you need to. Maybe your steps towards love include partnering with us here at Huntsville Christian Church and helping us as we reach into our community and share the gospel message. But whatever your response to God's word is, as we have this time of remembering what Christ has done for us, let's examine ourselves and respond accordingly. It's been great to worship with you all today, but now it's time for us to go. It's time for us to go into our community with what we know, with what we've learned I want you to remember Ephesians 3.18. Sound doctrine holds our focus on the length, the breadth, the height, and depth of God's love. It calls us to marvel at it, to praise God for it, and to be changed by it. And now that you know this, you're accountable for sharing what you know. Have a great week.